Hello and welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast, the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep this disc or are we going to dump it? This is a very exciting moment for me because I'm teaming up with another podcast. They are Bravo for the B-Sides. It's Jim and Danny. Hello. Hello, Miles. It's nice to officially meet you. This is the first time we were actually speaking, so this is, it will show on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah absolutely today we talked about or well we watched for today gentlemen broncos <laughs> but first a brief history in the Gentlemen Broncos is the 2009 comedy that is extremely reminiscent of Napoleon Dynamite, except better in my opinion. It stars uh, Michael Angarno, Jermaine Clement, and Sam Rockwell. The plot is that Benjamin Purvis goes to a writing camp to have his writing judged by famous authors and... Ronald Chevalier, the most famous author that he can think of, who he really looks up to, reads his story and steals it. So it's up to Benjamin to try and bring him to justice. But meanwhile, his friends decide to buy his story and make their own version of it. So he has multiple dueling versions of his story fighting while he's just trying to figure out what's going on. But he's kind of mousy and he's homeschooled and his mom's a little quirky and crazy and she makes these rock hard popcorn balls. Anyway, so that's pretty much the premise. And during the whole story, it cuts through to visions of the actual story that Benjamin has written. And that's where Sam Rockwell comes in because he's the protagonist of this super weird sci-fi film that instead of having high-tech machines and stuff, they have taxidermied animals that have like cannons in their asses and stuff. And it's a really good time. I didn't sell this movie very well right now in the brief history, but trust me when I tell you this was sleeper of the year. Nobody caught this except me and a few other people, and it is so goddamn funny. You guys should definitely check it out. So, um, <laughs> did you love it or did you love it? I loved it. Did I loved you? it. Really? Oh, it was, I'm so excited. Was... Yeah. <laughs> really. There... <laughs> um, we well, we actually we watched it last night. Yes um because we we were gonna watch it a couple days earlier but a lot of a lot of things were happening and um it's one of those that just slid under the radar yeah you know so i i we've i've seen it when the name came up in the list i was like oh i know i've seen that name so that's when you know we jumped on that but oh man it was good really good yeah i'm so glad that you guys liked it i was kind of worried i was giving you a weird first impression (laughs) (laughs) that's that's actually our wheelhouse yeah <laughs> it was so much fun i okay so i really love sam rockwell and i really love uh jermaine clement and so and their roles in this movie were just so fun you could actually see them just having a blast as they were <laughs> <laughs> especially sam rockwell he was having the time of his life oh my gosh absolutely um, I love the very opening of it has all those like classic sci-fi novels with like the opening credits on it. I thought that was so clever. Yeah. 
It was, and it caught our attention. Yeah, I was. Uh, as oh a, man, just as mesmerized. I was, as I was watching it, I was, I was like, I wonder, you know, if you're if you're doing a title sequence like that, and you actually, I mean, I don't think they actually made the books themselves, but I was like, if I had a book like that with my name on it, you know, just something like that from the title sequence, that would be a prized possession that I would like keep on my bookshelf. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Displayed <laughs> prominently. Oh yeah, that prop would be going home. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> be like the Deadpool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm taking this suit. Stop me. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, my uh, stepdad was a big uh, sci-fi novel reader, and I recently just inherited like a hundred books from him that all look like the covers in the opening sequence of the movie, and I was like, you know. <laughs> I bet you I could make a sequel to Gentleman Broncos using these. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Because, really I mean, cool. You know, I grew up in the 70s. So uh, those covers were not super old for me. Yeah. So they it was very, very familiar um, 60s covers and stuff. I mean, because if a book is like four years old, you know, it'll still have that cover and stuff through the 70s. But, yeah, that's that was... It was just really warm feeling to see that, you know, and, and that just, it, it, I got, I could go, I hope we will. There's so much more about that <laughs> to go on about through the movie. Um, but yeah, those, those, the, the book beginning was brilliant. Yeah. I, I loved yeah. it. Like it really like immediately that grabs you. And then the first line of the movie is like, I heated up the hot water bottle so you can sit on it while we drive. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh boy, here we go. We're in for a bumpy ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and you know, as the mom in the movie, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, I love her and everything. She's super funny. And I know that she's supposed to be, she's supposed to be really embarrassing, right? Yeah. She's the embarrassing, goofy, silly mom. But every scene that she's in, she also, and it, it says a lot about the, the writing and the making of it, but she's so, she's so warm and, and sweet and kind throughout the whole thing, even when she's, you know, like being a little embarrassing for, for <laughs> Benny. And I, I really loved her. I loved her too. Well, she's, she's really good. Oh, she is. At all of her roles are, are basically that kind of role. And she does it so naturally. She brings such a convincing, you know, this woman, she's not super eccentric. She's not out of her mind. She's not um, out of touch. She's just on her own rail and it's going strong. (laughs) And she just, you know, she's just, that's just the way it is for her. And yeah, it's, it was, (laughs) I heated up the water bottle. It just came out so Matter of fact, you know. <laughs> okay, so from what I'm gathering by listening to your show, you guys are script writers slash filmmakers. Is that what you guys do? Yeah. Writing scripts. Um Well that's what we we like writing scripts and we found ourselves kind of falling into um filmmaking. Yeah. Uh <laughs> well it's that kind of thing. We've we have I like to call it um we've been invited to the party. A number of times we've been to the door but we haven't had that final seat at the table meaning we've talked we've been in talks with producers and managers 
um, uh, about several of our scripts. And it's, you know, uh, it makes us sound egocentric, but there are certain things we're not willing to bend on. Yeah. In terms of, you know, well, if you make this story cheaper by cutting out all this, no, man, this is the story. (laughs) I'm not coming to you with a story about, you know, Simba the Lion King. And then you tell me, well, we can only do it with gerbils. Um, (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not the story. So, yeah, we've gotten into um, we're working on on producing uh, some short ideas. We're, We're working on a silly short right now the whole quarantine thing um yeah (laughs) but we have a rather serious short that we wanted to do but with all of this going on there's just no way to you know gather the people to do that so that's kind of on a back burner um yeah reluctant filmmakers you know (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna steer the ship but we also have a lot of good connections with directors and actors that when things are able to get done yeah, we can, you know, do that. Let's let's have a group talk yeah. <laughs> and talk about money. Yeah. <laughs> what do you need for money? But yeah, and we also just you know watch a lot of movies. Like <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to want to write a TV show actually, and uh, the kid from this movie, the kid who plays Ben. He actually, I wanted him to be the lead in the show that I was trying to write when, if it would get produced or whatever. So this movie actually has like kind of a weird connection with me on that kind of level, which I'm sure you guys can understand when it comes to like thinking about casting and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have a a sci-fi series, sci-fi drama series that we, we have a whole spreadsheet of who we would like to have like a casting dream board yeah a b c you know d and uh um our first script that we wrote um we actually did that quarter of the way through we we realized you know let's think about who these people what we want them to look like so uh one of the main characters is just a really angry short woman so we thought Melissa Roush would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know she can get her voice up there. She would be hilarious as Wilma. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a cool thing. Casting and uh, I mean, we do that with a lot of stuff we watch and we're like, oh, you know, he would be good or she would be good mm-hmm. in this role. And then there's the heartbreaker we watch, like you know, Alien from you know 1977, 78, and uh, thinking, oh. If only we had done this 42 years earlier, Yeah, <laughs> we, that person would have been great. But right now, I don't know if the hover round will make it to the set. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's funny. Well, uh, part of the reason why I ask you guys that you're writers predominantly is, have you ever gone to something like Cletus Fest where you go and you like submit your writing and have famous people look at it or anything like that? Um, well, no, not like a festival. We we do we pitch our our stuff, and yeah. occasionally we get asked for the script. So the art of the pitch is like one of the the biggest things we've ever worked on. Because um, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I I don't think that you know people who who write a lot like they don't become writers because they like being in front of big crowds and talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being in intense situations. And so 
when you kind of like stand in front of someone or even on a video call and you're trying to pitch your idea you're like, oh man, I'm just, I'm just so much better at sitting alone, or you know, in, in yeah. our case, together, you know, together, like just writing and doing our thing. Isn't there anyone else who can kind of like just sell us for us? But there isn't. <laughs> no. <You have> to... <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but we did, we did uh, submit. We did submit our. We did make a short a few years ago, and that's a long story. We don't need to get into on here. You, you, you'll have heard us talk about it several times in many episodes of our own show. Um, we did this short and uh, sent the script off when we were working on shooting it still to, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it. It's actually in Michigan. Oh, I know it's, what you're talking about. It's a festival, about. yeah. And we got accepted to show up there. Do a panel. And uh, do a, well, do a panel and uh, do a crowd pitch. Um, uh-huh. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it because neither us nor anybody else involved could make the time. <laughs> to do it logistically it wasn't possible yeah um so that was cool but i think that's the only time we've ever done a big like everybody looking at it kind of thing well yeah and i know you've had stories published oh, um, a very long time ago <laughs> and yeah i a very long time ago had some some small things uh published in like those world generic coffee table books I mean, <laughs> that's, that's not nothing that's pretty cool actually <laughs> yeah well my my past writing endeavors i think over the multitude of decades have earned me like 500 bucks um yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they were published in local anthologies and stuff that I, I you know they vanished with time but you know it's it all leads eventually to a point i think you know part of the reason that this movie like i really connected with it you know i mean as a writer, right? Mm-hmm. And before we started writing screenplays together, we were writing novels. And, you know, you do submit things. And every time you do submit something, uh, like he did in the movie, you know, your your heart's in your throat, oh, right? God. <laughs> Just, and even, and he does this in the movie as well, where he has uh, Tabitha read you know his story and he's like i don't normally let people read my stuff <laughs> um <laughs> as a kid i said that like all the time because i didn't let people read my stuff mm-hmm. and uh it might have been for the best because you know it takes a while to become a good writer yeah. um <laughs> I used to go up to my mom, like I would write, and then at like family functions, I would hand what I had written to my mom and say, "Read this to everyone," and I would just like run out of the room. <laughs> Those were the. <laughs> I don't think she ever did read it to anybody, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Tell you what, though, word of advice, listeners, if you write something, if it's a if it's a novel or a story, copyright that bad boy. Yes, that's the big lesson of Gentleman yeah. Broncos. Yep. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes it and, is. and a script, the same thing, but you can also like register it with uh, the, the Writers Guild yeah. of America, WGA East or West, depending where you live. So I tell you what, we do that mm-hmm. every single thing, and we've had more people sign non-disclosure agreements for, <laughs> for things. And it is there's a level of paranoia you have to accept. For sure. With 
with all of this, you know, and, and like in the movie, you know, I, I love that he, it, it didn't weigh on him so much. It was more that someone else was reading it and then just kind of, you know, he sat back and this whole, you know, story happened on the mountains behind him and he's just waiting to hear back. Yeah. Waiting to hear back. And we've been there. Yeah. You know? believe it. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't cross the minds of a lot of people. So that was, that was like, that hit home. That, yeah. <laughs> that plot point hit home <laughs> through this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those people who's always had the big project that I'm working on, but I've never actually like, put it out there tried to actually get it published even though i'm always like oh yeah this is gonna be my baby and i know they say like kill your babies or whatever so i'm one of those people who just won't let the baby die but i also won't let anybody look at it and it needs to be perfect and i know that's just not the way to be but that's the kind of writer i am <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that you guys well, we, like, have it. things published and stuff that's pretty awesome in my opinion well you know one day you just you got to accept it. it's like being a parent you just got to look and say, well, this bad boy is ready to drive. So I need to hand over the keys and let it out the door. Yeah. And that's like the small step of, okay, I'm going to find somebody who can disassociate our personal relationship. Yeah. Read this and then look at me and go, mm, or wow, yeah. you know, um, and talk about it. Cause that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing. But without that process, you don't get movies like this. Very true. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm always fascinated watching something like this, which is, I, I call it a, a really an understated masterpiece um, <laughs> because, well, it engages the audience so very well. Uh, we have a whole, we had a whole discussion about this last night. Um, but to get to that point, right, there's, there are things that have to just be redlined and gone. You know, you can't get that level of chemistry the first run through. And you really do need someone from the outside telling you how they interpret what you've done. You know, and we do it kind of with ourselves at first. We we do a read through of every draft of our script. We read it out loud. Mm -hmm. We each pick parts and you can hear it, which in a lot of cases made us go, Jesus. That doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, oh God! It, it reads well on the page, but holy shit! Now that I hear it, nope. There is one no, point sir. of this movie that I'm like, I every time I watch it with people who've never seen it, they literally they make it to the same point, and that's when he's given Tabitha a hand massage on the bus, and uh. and the other dude he like leans over and just goes ooh into her ear. I think. <laughs> I think that's one of those moments where they should have asked the audience, like other people, like, what do you think is going on here? Because I'm still confused by that. I, I don't know what he was trying to achieve. <laughs> I'm um, not super sure what that was about. <laughs> I tell you what, though, <clears throat> for me, it made me uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> and it really kind of set, well, it set that trio's relationship up, right? How weirdly detached she is that she'd put, you know, uh, 75 ounces of <laughs> lotion and say here hand massage me <laughs> and you know i think of the the effort they went to in post to put in the squishing sounds yes oh my god you know <laughs> they were so vile to make it so it was uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
it's to me that was a brilliant introduction because it spoke volumes of these characters right off the bat so we have our lead he's like all right i'll do that you know Mm. um we we get her she's self-absorbed and wants attention and then we have the uh director slash entrepreneur (laughs) 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 the prolific movie creator um who is just out there that's that's what i got from it he's just He's got his own rail as well. Yeah. Miles, did it did it seem to you watching this movie like like Lonnie just had way too many teeth? <laughs> uh, yes and no. It's either he had too many or not enough. <laughs> his, his like his canines were just so much longer than the rest of them. But I don't know. He's, right? He's such a strange. I've done eighty-three movies. Some are just trailers. Like I just. <laughs> I marveled at what he was doing with his lips. Yeah. So many times. I was making a comment to Danny, and I was looking at the screen, and they cut to uh, them coming onto the bus, and there he was, and I stopped cold. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, "What is going on with that mouth?" <laughs> and it reminded me of Billy Bob Thornton when his his whole thing with Carl, you know, his his uh, sling blade, sling blade, yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, he had he jutted as far as he could his lower jaw out and pulled that lip up. I mean, he spent time <laughs> yeah. to to get that look and to be able and to have to do that for hours and hours, right? Take after take. So I did after I'm like, geez, what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> After a while, I thought, man, the work that had to go into that, to, to hold that face and, you know, structure <laughs> a, a voice and a look and everything for hours at a time. Kudos. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's hard to, like, you can tell that the acting is intentionally bad, which makes it good. You know what I mean? For at least, mm-hmm. like, him and uh, the guy who plays the bad guy during all the Sam Rockwell scenes. That guy was also very yeah. strange looking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I watched some of the like extra features and that guy talks like that. That's just how he talks. Cause he was like hanging out with Sam Rockwell, looking at like food to grab. Oh yes. I would love to have some. <laughs> how does that guy get cast? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right time, right place. Yeah. So speaking of Sam Rockwell, I thought that th- all of the plot lines of his story we're just so well done. <laughs> I the the contrast, and I love seeing actors in roles where they have to do this kind of thing. The contrast of the interpretation of the character was so fantastic. This big burly, you know, her man's man kind of thing for that world, as compared to um, what did he say? He said he made him a transvestite. They kept in saying the tranny, but I don't. I don't think the word tranny, trannies yeah, is acceptable yeah, tranny. these days. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, to to see him, you know, <laughs> the pink to do both takes on it. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so weird, you know. And and watching those little scenes of uh, you know the the yeast lords and and Sam Rockwell scenes as I'm trying to piece together this story. I'm like this is the one that he stole. Yeah. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. <laughs> All right then. 
that story, right? The 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 East Lords, it <laughs> it it fit. If it was anything else, I don't think it would have made the rest of the movie flow at all, right? Because it That's was true. super ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it it fit the aesthetic of the characters. Um, I just want to hit on this quick. The one thing that I loved about the books at the beginning was that for the rest of the movie, it had a very, it looked like I was looking at a 1960s photo, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where, you know, it's a, it's a nice picture and it's color, but there's something about the, the slight bleached nature of all the colors it had a very like those book covers they have when they get faded like that a certain look that you can attribute to oh man yeah smell it look at it this is 60s and (laughs) Hmm. um but the the movie it wasn't um the, the 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 tone of it the color tone and everything to me really settled me in and made me really easily get closer to the characters in the situation and this and that ridiculous story and the ridiculous making or the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, it, it just all fit. And I, I think that was, um, I, I don't know if that came after, but I always marvel at post-production choices that really sell a movie. Cause I think if it looked any other way, I don't think it would have been as fun to watch. For me, anyway. Yeah, I found that I related to it on that level, but for different reasons. Because, I mean, I wasn't around in the 60s and 70s, but it looked to me like everything was purchased in a thrift store. And that's kind of the aesthetic that my entire life has had. So (laughs) I I related to it because I was like, you know, this could be me. It's a little dwarpy writer who's... (laughs) <laughs> trying to just get out there and he's wearing his <laughs> he's wearing uh country ball sweatshirts with popcorn kernels on them and... <laughs> yeah i i understood that well we both have had that life growing up oh yeah where, yeah you know hmm sure i'll take a rock hard corn ball yeah. a ball of popcorn <laughs> can't even call it a corn ball um <laughs> oh my gosh you know, if if you've ever had a popcorn ball, they're not that hard. No. So watching them like have to be shipped apart like that was just super unsettling. <laughs> yeah, every time that the movie kind of started to slow down, it would just cut into her smashing a popcorn ball. <laughs> I was like, these are, it really like saves the, it keeps the story moving forward just to see her just violently smashing popcorn balls all the time. <laughs> yes. I that. That was, it's one of those simple things. You would never expect that to be a thing on screen as this ball of popcorn. But yeah, you know, they're chiseling at him. She's trying to jam that popcorn car through through the prison bars. (laughs) Bang, bang. Maybe we'll just do this later. (laughs) I'll give it to you later. It was, oh my gosh, like it was usually during the serious moments, like he's watching the interview happening where they're talking about how they didn't like his story, but they bought it anyway. And then right next, just smash, smash, trying to bust off pieces. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> it's so good. I love her clothing okay. stuff too. Did, did you want to talk about her clothing? I, I love her clothing her stuff. fashion line. <laughs> Decent beginnings. <laughs> She's yes. So yeah. good. Oh man. It- well, you know, she didn't want to be pretentious or anything. <laughs> it's 
wholesome, but it's for a younger audience. Um, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so... um so my my absolute favorite character in this movie without a doubt 110 percent is ronald chevalier who uh jermaine clement oh my god that character was amazing he was the perfect amalgamation of every self-absorbed like sphincter (laughs) that has ever written a book i loved it and we talked about that too last night. I'm like, this guy, they, the, you know, whoever wrote this character together had to have really reached out to the universe and give me all of the douchery that has ever <laughs> happened <laughs> since 1950 to today. And he nailed it. Oh my he, God. He was the hair and the voice <laughs> and the outfits. Yes. Oh, and just his pretentious speech. And even when he's laying on the ground, somebody <laughs> apprehend him <Yes. laughs> like, oh my god really this is it this seize is it. him seize him yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just it, like even just the way he structures his sentences in general is just so fantastic he's like uh he's like you won't be able to do it like that youngling you must use friendship like this is so amazing <laughs> <laughs> and the the power of the suffix thing I was howling yes. watching that. <laughs> we can add anus to almost anything and it becomes magical. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go traginus oh. every time. Every time. <laughs> oh, and his, his snarky little comments yes. to the, the, the girl who has kept asking him questions. I'm a published author. So <laughs> basically, you know, what I say goes. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen people like that at panels. Yeah. here and there you know and they're not like you know i'm not gonna say like isaac asimov was at a panel and that's what he looked like or you know uh, robert heinlein or any of the great sci-fi writers back then but i will say i have seen people who have published a book been on a panel and think that you know the red sea parts when they approach oh, and sure. act like that and that's why i found him so funny i'm like oh man yeah. <laughs> he's he is he is pure concentrated evil. Yes. <laughs> as an author. <laughs> yeah. I think they call that Denning Kruger syndrome when you like achieve a little bit of success and you just think that the world like bows at your feet. So fantastic. <laughs> he would be the perfect definition for what Denning Kruger is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, all the it's so funny because if you look at all the suffixes that he puts up on the board in that scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're used all the time they are. in those old sci-fi books. Yes. I mean, they're not wrong. Nope. Right? <laughs> It'll definitely help me like naming D&D characters in the future. I had forgotten all about that scene. And there's definitely going to be an antagonist named Trajinus at some point now. <laughs> oh, man. D&D Beyond should put a module in that when you name a character and you go through their online worksheet, yeah. it adds Onius to it, whatever you yes. type in. <laughs> the Onius generator. Yeah. Anus or Ginus. Yeah. That's the end of every name. <laughs> so you guys are pretty hardcore D&D nerds from what I understand. Yes. Oh, yeah. I am yep. so, uh, so jealous of you guys' play style where you like start in the evening and you play until everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's something fun. So uh, Jim and I are getting married on Friday. Friday night, we're playing D&D. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Our wedding day is not going to stop that from happening. It is not. <laughs> well, A, congratulations. That's fantastic. And Thank B, you. Thank you. I'm equally as excited for you guys to play D&D. So that's fantastic, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't really play Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we started playing with our neighbor because we started, we went, we put up a thing in our, our building, you know, get a local group together. And um, we ended up playing with him. And then when the quarantine and everything hit, we were playing like every weekend on Saturdays and stuff. Well, yeah. Cause we're um, all quarantining together and he lives right next door in our apartment building and he's like lives by himself and he's quarantined all by himself. And I was yeah. like, Oh man. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he's going to be busy saturday so we switched it to friday and i'm like oh, that's fine that's cool we're gonna dress up as pirates friday morning and, and get married and as pirates yeah as pirates and then we're going to uh come home and set up for dnd we're such Wait. nerds <laughs> you're getting married and are you getting married on a pirate ship is that what's going on no but uh near the lake yeah near the lake <laughs> okay cool uh-huh uh-huh. I've never heard of a pirate well, wedding. That's super unique and interesting. We're we're like uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. We never. We've been together forever. Yeah, and you know this is kind of a formality thing, and part of it is um, with all this nonsense that's been going on, we're not going to let 2020 go by without something cool happening. So we're making it happen ourselves. Yep, that's beautiful. <laughs> so we decide, you know what? Let's. This is it. Let's get married. Yeah. Awesome. That's fantastic. And then life continues. Well, still, like, that's a, you're taking life by the balls. That's fantastic. I love that. Well, thank you. Yeah. That said, I'm not marrying my girlfriend this year. So there's that. She will probably listen to this later. Hey, babe. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, we watched about that movie. episode. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can we talk for a second about the underrated hero of this movie, though? Absolutely. Dusty. Dusty. He's so wonderful. Yes. <laughs> he is wonderful. <laughs> I just love... <laughs> well, it's it's funny because he's, he's such a ridiculous character. And you almost don't understand why he's even there as a character. Until you start to realize that every time Benjamin just needs somebody, he's right there. In his weird way. Yeah. Yeah. With his dart gun. <laughs> or <laughs> his well, albino python. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's an example of the mastery of this movie. Um, one thing that we had talked about, and we've talked about this in past uh, our past episodes in things, about uh, character development and backstory and the nauseating Hollywood formula of, you know, you go to see a big Hollywood production film and you know exactly tick tock tick tock what happens you know in order and oh now we got like 11 and a half minutes of this guy's you know previous life whatever um and it's not necessary but they always follow that formula the thing about indie movies or b movies is an indie movie generally has nobody overseeing it a b movie has almost nobody overseeing it and they can tell these these pure stories and that's one thing about him. I related to him more than I can think of any A-list production in terms of a character because the director and the writer gave us just what we needed to know to identify this person on screen. I don't know his bag. 
I don't know. Is he part of a cult? Did she, <laughs> <laughs> she meet him at the tea shop? Was he trying on clothes? It doesn't matter. All I know is this weird guy showed up. He's, he's established himself through his actions and his presence and doesn't take long. And you're like, I like this dude. <laughs> I, I get excited seeing him. <laughs> I can relate him to the situation. And they did that with everybody. We don't have a deep history of everyone. And a lot of independent films don't dive into character backstory. Uh, I, I think people are realizing it's truly not necessary. It's usually overkill. Yes. And, you know, that's the thing. This it's I'm not going to say it's a shallow movie, but I know these characters as if I were to see them sitting at a diner and watching the interactions. And then, you know, do that for a week. You come to know people. And that's why it kind of just related to this movie really well. Is it was a nice, fun, nice, fun ride. I mean, it was a, even in the angsty moments, you know, the angst is coming. You know, when he's looking at that cover with the, 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 uh, <laughs> the battle stack yes. on it, <laughs> you know, he's, he's like, oh, he's going to steal it. Cause, you know, he just got the phone call saying, you're crap. Mm-hmm. Your stories are, are no good. So you know what's going to happen, but you're still just like, well, let's see what happens. How does this unfold? Well, it was, it was a really, I can't sell this movie enough. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> when this movie came into my life, I, uh, we had taken in a homeless person, actually. His name's Kevin. Kevin's cool people. Uh, he stayed for a couple of years with us, but we used to, uh, we would get intoxicated, shall we say, and we would watch movies and stuff. <laughs> And we watched this movie together like three times. And every time that it would end, we'd throw our hands up and be like, sleeper of the year. This, everyone's sleeping on this movie. This is the best movie ever. <laughs> we get all pumped up about it, especially after the ass cannon at the very end. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I think that this might actually be probably a pretty good time for us to take a brief break. And uh, you guys can get to hear about how you can reach out to us and that sort of thing we will be right back it happened y'all here we go today's episode is brought to you by kangaroo kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security every product that kangaroo makes starts with three questions is it simple Can it be produced at a price that anyone can afford, and is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never have to pay for unnecessary bells and whistles, and you know your data is going to be secure. The Front Door Security Kit is a simple setup with no tools and no tech geeks required. If you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. Be sure to use the code RINGDONG. For 20% off any Kangaroo complete subscription order. R-I-N-G-D-O-N-G. All caps. You guys cannot tell me that wasn't the best advertisement for home security you've ever heard. I know you're all rushing to the website to purchase it with the code ring doll. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing ads now, everybody. Please support my advertisers because that is going to be a way I could generate revenue from this and keep doing it and uh, chasing my dreams. Help me chase my dreams, everybody. Anyway, speaking of chasing 
dreams. If you guys want to get a hold of me, which I'm sure is all of your dreams, you can reach out to me through email. Discdumppod at gmail.com. D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget the little pee-pee in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the disc dump on instagram it's disc dump podcast again with the pp you can see some exclusive pictures on there that aren't going to get posted anywhere else on facebook i have a disc dump podcast page which i would appreciate it if you liked that because that is a monetary thing i honestly don't care too much about the page what i do care about is the group the disc dump podcast fans group you can start a great discussion in there you can reach out to almost all of my guests on there and they're pretty uh quick to respond if you tag them in anything and it's a it's overall a good time i post all kinds of things in there even just like memes and stuff that are very very loosely related to past episodes and stuff uh so it's a good time you'll see some fun stuff in there um i have a couple of shout outs to give uh first person i'd like to give a shout out to is mr jack white jackson white boy hey man uh we went to high school together and stuff we like lived across the street from each other for years and whatnot but i see that you're making some uh some social media moves making videos and stuff i love it i'm glad to see that you're trying to do something and you're always one of the first people to like stuff when i post it and you seem like you're a fan so thank you for listening jackson I uh, I hope that maybe at some point we can work together and maybe do a podcast together. I also have a couple of quick little shout-outs for some podcast. Um, so first and foremost, there's a podcast. I made it a kind of a mission of mine to go and listen to smaller podcasts for a bit because, I mean, Joe Rogan has enough supporters. You know what I'm saying? And he's kind of polarizing at this point. He really wants to make everything political. It's kind of irritating. But... I'm not giving a shout-out to Joe Rogan. You know who I am giving a shout-out to is the Ghost Town Podcast. They are really, really entertaining. They have a totally unique premise for their show, and they are not smaller. They are actually a little bit bigger than I am, and by a little bit, I mean a lot bigger than I am. But I've uh, I've been listening to them for several months at this point. I uh, they The whole premise is they talk about abandoned places, and sometimes murder and serial killers, of course. But Abandoned Places is their, like, shtick. And I really enjoy their podcast, mostly because I really enjoy, like, abandoned places. Like, theme parks, there's a Christmas Town episode, that one's pretty crazy. I really enjoyed their episode about the Black House, you know, like, where the, the Church of Satanism was born. All that kind of stuff. I'm hoping to collaborate with them at some point. But no pressure, guys. Also, I just started getting into the Mountain Murders podcast, which is uh, Appalachian-themed murder true crime podcast, where I'm also in Appalachia, but I'm not in the southern part. They have really great accents first and foremost. That's my favorite part about the podcast is I love their accents. It uh, It's very... I don't know how to describe it other than soothing and chill while they talk about murder and stabbing and explosions and so on and so forth. So, uh, Mountain Murders, check that one out too, and check out the Ghost Town podcast. Alrighty, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Sorry it's late. My basement flooded, which is my podcast studio, so I had to scramble to get this place back in order before I could finish editing this episode and recording this very message. So I hope you're enjoying it. 
I really am enjoying it. You guys should definitely check out Bravo for the B-Sides. It is a great, great podcast. I've listened to so many episodes. The Guns Akimbo episode is fucking hilarious. Definitely check that out. They cover all kinds of movies like um, (laughs) Velocipaster, the story about a pastor who turns into a Velociraptor and fights ninjas. Can you believe that that's a movie that exists? They talk about it. It's fantastic. Alrighty, everybody. So check them out. They're all over Twitter and everything. I'm sure they're going to be, if you look at my Twitter page, they're all over it because we're like best friends at this point. Obviously, as you can hear from the podcast where we just got to know each other and we're already best friends. Okay. Enjoy. Uh, Have a good rest of the time that you're listening to this podcast. Bye bye now. So, how surprised were you when the snake took a giant shit on Dusty? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I've got to say, it's the first time I've seen it on screen. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never actually seen it happen on anybody. Um, I mean, I've you know seen snakes in cages and seen what happens, but that was... It took me a second, honestly. It really did. It did. It took me a second as well to, like... What the piece hell is it that? Together? Oh, he's got, that's right. He's got a snake. Yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> snakes just don't so... actually shit like that. But it was... uh, no. No. <laughs> no. No. Not not unless you're rolling over it with something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It, like, I, the special features, the directors were talking about it. And they said they both walked out. And they were like, we trust you're going to get the shot. And just, like, left because they didn't want to see it. And it was made of like <laughs> old beef stew and chili, like mixed together with something else that like, <laughs> made it runny. And it was just, <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> and Dusty just straight faces oh. it the whole time. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, now, that's a role that I also admire. Um, characters like that, where they're they're just like dead eye stare. Yeah. <laughs> all the way through a movie with everything going on around him. Um, I, just a big hat tip for that kind of acting skill, because you've got to know being in, in watching it is one thing, but you know, being there on set yeah. <laughs> with all this happening right in front of you, man, there's got to be an am- amazing level of self-control to just kind of like hold it till they say cut. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'd be giggling all the time, just constantly. <laughs> Yeah, I was upset they didn't have like a blooper reel on the DVD. I would love to see that guy just crack at least once, just once, but couldn't find it. <laughs> what did you think of the music selection oh, from beginning to end of this film? I, I like the actual like mu- music made for the movie a whole lot. That's been going through my head today, but also like the specific songs they picked are just like so perfect for those exact moments when they come in, like when black Sabbath comes on and he's running away from the guy who's shooting at him and shit. That was great. <laughs> the, the opening credits playing that sci-fi song over all the sci-fi covers was fantastic. Like the, I just feel like every song hit the moment perfectly, except maybe that weird going down in flames, like Jesse James song. I wasn't really sure what was going on with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. I think uh, 
Well, I think I was, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure 100%. But most of, I liked, um, I liked the selections. I liked the composition because it all seemed to to fit. The, and for me, one thing that can kill a movie super quick is a bad music selection. For sure. And mm-hmm. with, with indie films especially, <laughs> they're stuck with like homegrown stuff. Or like local bands, you know, who'll be like, uh, can you give us 10 bucks? I, I can't even give you that, man, but I can put your name in the credits. And they're like sold. Um, yeah. <laughs> you I, know. I see that a lot. Uh, we think like of horror movies and stuff. Uh, well. Um, it's like it, it, their cousin's garage band. Yeah. So they put all their music in Yeah, there. Bubba Hotap. It's a, it's a movie about an old Elvis Presley hiding out in a nursing home. And they couldn't get one Elvis song. <laughs> Because to license one Elvis song was like it was like five hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. Jeez Louise. Yeah, which was half of their movie over half of their movie budget. Yeah. Yeah, on a song so, that's no bueno. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why you don't hear any Elvis tunes in any shape or form. Yeah, that's because yeah, that was money. the minimum cost. Crazy. So the fact that they were able to get all this stuff was um really cool. And just kinda Oh, added to the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if I had made the movie, what I would have done differently, which would not have been better, is I would have probably taken the song from the very beginning of the movie and used that as like the general score, like all the sections where they're not talking. They pretty much the composition of the song. There's like big instrumental sections. I would have probably made that song just the theme of the whole movie. But uh, it's good that they didn't do that. But that's probably how I would have done it. That might have worked. That might have worked. I, it's a good piece of music. And I sure. think I think it could. If you were to have done that, I think you would have made a good choice. Um, you know, it's not um, Britney Spears <laughs> caterwauling. <laughs> yes. You know, so, man, it's bad enough you brought you did it, but now it's like every four minutes you dose me with her. I can't take this. I can't take that. I won't even make it to the hand squishy scene. <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> Yeah, my my girlfriend was the most recent person to fall victim to the hand squishing scene. She she was like, "Are you? Can I watch this with you?" I was like, "You can. I highly suggest it. You won't like it." And she made it up to that scene just like everybody else. And she was like, "I'm out. I'm gonna go over here." <laughs> okay, <laughs> bye, babe. <laughs> so yeah, she heard me laughing. She's like, "That movie was not funny, Miles." I'm like, "It is. I promise." <laughs> but <laughs> she's, oh my god. I feel like it was funnier this time around than any of the other times I've watched it just because I was like really, really like tuned into it and paying attention to every little detail because we were going to do this. I laughed so much. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have a favorite like scene in the movie? Uh, that's always a tough one. Um, hmm. I mean, because there's always like several. Like I, I liked the uh, where they picked the story up to, to start with the narration of Yeast Lords. Yes. <laughs> and... You know, uh, just it, it's a combination of things. It's Sam Rockwell looking like, you know, a, a badly overdone Grizzly Adams laying on yeah. the table. <laughs> and and this, you know, <laughs> very typical 60s sci-fi overly flamboyant evil guy. You know, yeah, sure, he's the clone of the evil guy, but still, you know, rolling in, talking about having to take a gonad. And I just yeah. thought, what, <laughs> what are we opening up into? <laughs> <laughs> Your gonads are being used for research. We'll return them soon. 
Yes. <laughs> it wasn't done on, on like a whole platform of levity. It was a pretty serious conversation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which made it all the more ridiculous. So yeah, that right off that got me. Mine is, I don't, I think it's the one where uh, Dusty's first teaching him to um, use the dart gun. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up shooting his mom. <laughs> right in the tit. <laughs> in the tit. Yep. Yeah, and she's <laughs> freaking out and she, she realizes it's her like water insert yeah. for her bra. <laughs> which, which was just another character development thing that came and went like that. And it was just like, okay. <laughs> I, I believe it. <laughs> Well, oh. it's because it's funny because this movie has a lot of really crude humor in it, but overall, it's actually pretty wholesome. Yeah, for sure. It's in not, a weird way, it's not overstated. Um, but I was genuinely concerned in that scene because I was like, "Is he really going to shoot the cat?" Yeah. With this... <laughs> yeah. It, it... This... Is, is that what you're all about, dude? It almost felt a little <laughs> bit like uh, reminiscent of The Good Son. I was going to say exactly that. Oh, yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, he's Circle of Life, dude. Another obscure movie. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys rewatched that movie lately? I haven't rewatched it lately, but I've actually watched that movie probably like 10 times. Oh, really? Yeah, I've okay. seen it a lot. I've only watched it the whole way through once, and the most recent time I made it to the end, and that ending, whoo! <laughs> oh man, <laughs> so bad. Well, people, people didn't like that movie because they didn't like seeing, you know, cute little Macaulay Culkin as uh, evil. Yeah, right. And that's, I, well, that's why I loved that movie as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Oh yeah, I was just to say a lot of people panned it because of that. Yeah, it didn't do well. And and the studio they, they admitted, you know, it's that whole typecasting thing. You know, we're taking we're taking little home alone and we're not just like going one eighty with him. <laughs> <laughs> we're reaching into the depths of hell, slapping his face on this thing and and turning it loose. And, you know, yay. Oh yeah, because he's <laughs> and, like pure evil in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, I was just a little concerned watching that scene in in Gentleman Broncos, and I was like, "Is is he really gonna shoot this cat?" And then he shoots his mom in the tit, and I was, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> she and, does this dance like, like that. <laughs> just ah, yeah. ah, ah. I'm like okay, I I get. Maybe the shock and surprise, but it can't hurt that much. I like the part where she was like trying to show off her grilling skills at the very beginning of that scene where she's just smacking. Yeah. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And just that look on her face. Everything's okay. <laughs> so back to Chevalier. Just the way he talks is so fan. My audio book narrations. I love it so much. Um, there's a, a sentence that a phrase that I say every single day. And nobody knows why I say it in the voice I say it. And it's just a little joke for me. Every day I say it. Whenever someone asks me, like, why I didn't do something, I go, I am just a man. And the second half of that, 
<laughs> Nobody knows why I say it like that. <laughs> they just are like, Miles is weird. But that's <laughs> it ends with, and I want to breed, but I can't say that out loud <laughs> to people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yep. So the, I quote him this movie at least once a day. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So try it at home I yourself, love that. kids. <laughs> I loved that bit in the audio recording studio. Yeah. Because that was just, I, I just, I, when, when he said that line, I'm not going to say I was expecting it, <laughs> but it felt like, oh, deliverance. Yeah. I've realized in that, that millisecond, this scene would not have been complete without that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can't even concentrate on doing my audio book narration. You know, <laughs> everything. I just so the good. infantile, yeah, mm-hmm. nature of him. You know, now I can't even do this because he just did something so wrong to me. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I think my favorite scene of his though is when he's doing the the panel that Benjamin goes to, right, yeah. to check in with him, basically. And the guy asked about the song, the harpy song. Oh, yeah. And he's yes. like, well, I'm not going to sing it. But he just off the cuff. Yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Until now, these words have never been published. <laughs> so full of himself. I, there's, there's some subtleties that were my favorite things about the movie. One with, with Chevalier was the, the Bluetooth in his ear. Yes. Day, night. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like, he never uses it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of times, but I mean, that's the thing is, you know, it's it's like his, his self-importance. But one of the things I really liked is when they were shooting a scene uh, for the little indie film. <laughs> and they're outside of the bunker Yes, <laughs> and, and he's leaning back with his bald cap on and everything. And when he he gets up, the massive tan paint stain, makeup, makeup stain, stain on the wall from where his head was, <laughs> and you only see it, bam, right when that happens. And then there's interactions with him and, and Dusty, and and then whoop, you whoop, you see it again. You know, I, I don't think I, I just, ever I caught that. that. Holy Moses. I oh, have to yeah. Check that out. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because it opens when he's, yeah, he's all reclined back with his fake boobs jutting out 60 sci fi style. <laughs> you know, and he's going through his lines and how terrible it is. And then when he finally gets up, it's at the right angle. And I just giggled. I'm like, look at that stain. <laughs> when they like actually like started to show the movie that they made oh my god that was so funny like the trailer at the beginning oh my god <laughs> that was that was actually painful it was so bad <laughs> my horse's semen is worth 10 million dollars it's like <laughs> i felt so bad <laughs> Yeah. For the lead character. Yes. It's like uh because yeah. at first I thought, oh, his mom's gonna see the dress or the, the nightgown all shredded mm-hmm. on on the screen, and then there'll be some kind of that never even came to that. Nope. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was just like, wow, we weren't privy to all of this. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> this is so bad. I could see why he ran out and they dubbed over <laughs> they dubbed over Dusty's voice with some Scottish guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, he sounded like a damn leprechaun. 
Oh, so good. And Lonnie has no shame about it either. He's just like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Donahue Studios. Um, so the and then that scene is immediately followed by a scene I completely forgot about, which is him throwing up in the trash can and turning around and Tabitha kissing the puke off his face. Ugh. Uh, right. Ugh. <laughs> so gross. It was super gross. It, it was. It, and honestly, I because you know, looking at, it, I see her a couple times doing that little like retching yeah. thing. Not, <laughs> not like, blah, blah, but you can kind of see the the motion, kind of like she's gonna do. But and then nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my god, are we gonna get into that? He puked. She's gonna puke, and then it's gonna go back and forth. Oh, so God. kudos for yeah. not going that route, but yeah. nasty all the way around. Yes. So that leads me to wonder, though, I, this time around, I was really trying to analyze Tabitha's character. Do you think that she actually liked Ben, which is why she kissed him with a pukey mouth, or she's just dumb and likes attention? I think that a part of her really liked him. I think she didn't realize that she liked him, though, yeah. like genuinely. Because she's she's very self centered. She's very wrapped up in herself. For sure, and she I... definitely used him like three times. Like he, she stole his money, and she stole yeah. His, yeah. The, the nightgowns, and then she stole his movie. Mm-hmm. I she I mean she's clearly self absorbed. Yes, and I think though she's a creature of expectations. Like at that moment, it's expected to. You know, oh, we've loved each other all along. And that made it perfect on there. Almost like she has to play a role in her own life to because it, it, it's expected for the situation. Because she was like hot, you know, she ran hot and cold. You know, she was like amiable towards him and then just just like all business. And then, you know, would grift him and then would give him a compliment. And, you know, I, I just I don't think she is one of those people. She's not a creature of independent commitment (laughs) due to feelings. I think she just, she's easily steered by the environment around her and she reacts according to expectation. What she perceives the expectation would be. Um, (laughs) It sounds like she was explaining she's. I think she's, (laughs) she's a better actress doing herself. (laughs) <laughs> then, then clearly what was going on in that trailer <laughs> yeah i don't think you kiss someone who's just puked though and like still has it all over their face unless you actually have some genuine feeling towards them i love you more than the universe could oh quantify. if you puke stay the hell away from me exactly <laughs> that's where i draw the line <laughs> do you uh do you guys want to hear a gross story bring it Uh, so there was a new year's where miles got a little too intoxicated and uh it was like uh new year's eve 11 30 and then i opened my eyes and i'm on the yard at midnight and my ex-girlfriend is looking at me and she's like oh come on and i had just thrown up and i turned around and she grabbed me and kissed me and then threw me away and wiped her mouth because she was superstitious 
and she wanted to have the if you kiss at midnight you last another year or whatever so because she was oh. superstitious she was totally willing to do what tabitha did to ben in this movie and even i in a completely blacked out state was like oh yo that was gross why did you do that so that's the gross story <laughs> enjoy that <laughs> did it did it last another year uh if it did it was close it was it was right in that ballpark okay okay myself i if if i were i always thought if i was superstitious like that i'd also look at it as an omen oh my new year's eve kiss was a vomit kiss yes (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) yeah it's it's not like rain on your wedding day it's considerably worse to kiss someone who just threw up It's just so gross. It's so gross. Anyway, we've talked about grossness enough now. Um, Don Carlos. Okay, so this character was... Like, he, had, he had a candy dish full of bullets. Like, what the fuck? What a wild card. Yeah. This guy. If I was going to be in this movie, it, that's the character I would have wanted to play. Was him. It was so abrupt and short. <laughs> his his uh, is like oh well who's this guy right you know oh she's gonna her big moment and no that went south real quick i i it was it was unsettling yeah in that that whole kind of thing does happen but it was funny because he was just ridiculous yes. and you know his first response right it's getting shouted at he ignores it and grab a gun well and then a statue comes through his window yeah so yeah and his first thing is grab a gun and start (laughs) then the mom's like i can't move and then he shoots through the window and she takes off running (laughs) i like how for like the climax of the movie he's wearing one of his mom's nightgowns for the whole climax of the movie (laughs) it's amazing and it's it's probably like the loudest one he could possibly have yeah. grabbed. Yes. Yes. Out of all of them. It was like that peach colored one. Yeah. It was so mm-hmm. so shiny. Yeah, peachy orange. With a lace frill. Yeah, the white yeah. frill. And it actually made him made him look like a little sun kissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because it, it just it looked like it I don't know, just it looked like something you would wear if you were jumping out of a plane skydiving. So that it would catch oh, yeah. all the air. Well, what I thought was really <laughs> funny is when he's wearing that and he goes to the book signing. Yes. And there's all the people dressed up as the characters. Oh, the from cosplayers. The, the, yep. Yeah, from the Brutus and Balzac group. <laughs> and he does not look out of place yeah. no. in that group. And he, he makes Ronald Chevalier's nose bleed because he hits him with a beanie toy. That was yeah. what, <laughs> but even like every time that they cut to Sam Rockwell for like the rest of the movie, like all the little snips that they just put in are so fantastic. Because like right after that, Sam Rockwell's got a friendship stone. And say, "Let's blow on it," and they blow on it, and he throws it. <laughs> it's like you can tell <laughs> Sam Rockwell's like, "This is the role I was born to play." <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love Sam Rockwell. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, he's so fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so and yeah, easily I think his role in this movie is the most fun. Yes. Of all of them. Yeah. The the climax of the movie with, with all the cyclopses and the the battle doe or the battle battle steers or what were they called again? Uh 
Battle stags Battle and surveillance stags. does. Surveillance does. I hate those. <laughs> Cyclops there. Um, yes. And yeah. Cyclops there. That's... Cyclops there. <laughs> this, this, the ass cannon is so good. <laughs> Apparently, that one of the two directors, his thing is like taxidermy. He loves taxidermy animals, so this was like his chance to really let loose on the taxidermy animals. His time to shine. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that shit was so funny. <laughs> Makes me wonder what what does he have in his basement besides deer with missiles attached to him? What is the platypus looking like? For real, though, if, <laughs> if I saw one of these battle stags or on sale, like one of those auctions or whatever, I would put some bids in on it. <laughs> it would be such a conversation yeah, piece. I think so. I don't know where we'd put one. Action figures. Oh, my gosh. It would be hilarious. I would get yes. all of them. We'd have a whole shelf. If, if the people involved in this had, and not even like the characters, you know, the main characters, if they had just done... Uh, Bronco slash uh, Brutus. Yes. Right. The two versions of him, and then the two versions of a couple of things, and then of course the the, the battle stags and the surveillance does, uh, and a cyclops. I think those would have sold, and would be like being traded all over the place. Because I'd have one. It'd be hilarious yeah, for sure. <laughs> I definitely. I'd have the whole set. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's a shame that this movie really went under the the, the radar for like. Almost everybody, because every time I say you ever see Gentleman Broncos, there's a 99% chance people are going to say no. Like, this movie was so good and so underrated, and I wish that it had the kind of audience where they could have made action figures. Like, that would have been so dope. Well, everyone, so everyone's heard of Napoleon Dynamite, but hardly anyone's heard of this movie, right? Right. And this movie, I mean, looking at what it made in the box office, it's, I mean, you look at the figures. I don't know if you know what, what they know are, but now. you look, you're like, okay. All right. So according to IMDb, the estimated budget for this is 10 mil, right? Mm -hmm. The cumulative worldwide gross, 118,492. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Like, <laughs> I look at that and I'm like, that can't possibly be right. Can it? That's so low. Oh, man. That's sad. I'm so sad to hear that. Oh man, because yeah. I got the version well, that I have. I kind of believe it. I, I believe it too. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty small <laughs> situation. So opening weekend was eleven thousand five hundred and two, which is so sad because it's such a good movie. I wonder sure. though, they do that in box office receipts, but I wonder if they count in the. I mean, what what's going on today? It's like we rented it. Oh right? yeah, no, they don't count so, in. Yeah, what's video going rentals on today. and DVD sales. Because the thing that that caught my attention straight off was it was a Fox Searchlight film, so that that and I love seeing those that and Focus films. Uh, right away tells me this is completely unrestrained, yeah. <laughs> you know, because those uh, those two had, between them I have a lot of my favorite films come from those, but they traditionally suck at getting money returns mm. through theater you know, uh, domestic or international because nobody, you know, wants to, to distribute a film from a distribution company that backs stuff that nobody else will do. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So um, not to be like super boring, but I know this is kind of your shit. Um, the, so Fox Searchlight, I know I've heard of Focus, but I didn't realize Fox Searchlight was like a, a backer of like indie films. Is that like the difference between? I don't know how I'm trying yeah. to word my question. Um, I would call so anything from those guys. I would actually call B movies. So, um, a lot of people who release their stuff through them, they will actually help finance. So it's not true independent film where, you know, you're going out getting your money and, and hoping for the best at the end that someone will distribute it and everything. Yeah. But, so what, what Searchlight does essentially is they acquire films. Right. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're a distro. Right. <laughs> well, but they'll, they'll put some money on the table if they make a distribution deal, if, mm -hmm. if it's with somebody that they know. So like this kind of movie would get their attention and get them to step up a little bit because they've got Sam, they've got named people. Yeah. Right. Right. If it was the three of us starring in a film, they'd be like, um, <laughs> probably we'll not. have a look at it <laughs> when it's done. Go talk to YouTube. Uh, if you can make it. They say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Fox Searchlight has, has had some good stuff. Uh, Focus films. I mean, they've been around, for quite a while mm -hmm. um i mean one of my uh, lost in translation oh yeah is one of my it, it's in my top all-time favorite movies it's uh, uh i watched that movie for the longest time when i was on my own way back after that movie came to uh video uh i used to watch it every week doing my laundry I take all my stuff to because where I lived, the laundry room was in a different building. Uh -huh. So I'd have to get my stuff, drive up to that because it was a sprawled out complex. And I would sit in there. I'm not going to go back and leave my stuff. So I just threw the uh, DVD in my laptop and watched it week after week after week. <laughs> See, okay, so that kind of leads us into the theme of this show is like it's all about me owning all these DVDs, right? I have just a massive collection of DVDs and I'm trying to downsize them, but I love all these movies. That's why I own them. So I'm like trying to work my way out of them. I kind of miss when we weren't so inundated with potential media that we would watch movies mm. over and over and over again. Like mm -hmm. I don't I don't do that anymore. Like I can't for the longest time all you had to do was quote a Will Ferrell movie and you were all of a sudden the funny guy when you weren't making up your own jokes or anything. <laughs> like that was just a part of how society worked for a while was, Oh, if you can quote movies that everyone knows you're funny and like, yeah. that's not a thing anymore or it's less of a thing. That's for sure. And I think it's because we just are like drowning in everything we could possibly ever want to watch. So <laughs> that's uh, that brings us to the theme of the show is, I own this movie on DVD. I got the blockbuster version of it. There are not many special features on it. It takes up physical <laughs> space in my house. Do you two think that I should keep this DVD or I should find another home for it? I would keep it. I would keep it. I'm thinking and the same thing. Let me, let me just share with you. Uh, when we just moved into this place a uh, year and a half, two years ago, year and a half ago, two years, somewhere in that, cause it was, yeah, anyway, um, we had to downsize our DVD collection and we threw out about 450, almost 500 Woo. Yeah. DVDs. A lot. Uh, we had them in boxes and, you know, just 
in the living room unpacked and and we, we didn't want to go through them <laughs> like i don't want to do this and the whole thing was if we could just find a dvd case like the one that we had that was super skinny and it was just for dvds not like a cd slash dvd nope it was just for dvds if we could find something taller and put it out of the way we wanted to deal with it we couldn't and the day came where i was like i can't look at these boxes anymore we got to do this so we went through and got rid of a lot and it really came down to what you were talking about we there's just so much other stuff to see there's just not the time to you know bust through your catalog and throw something in if you have time to watch something generally it's going to be to try to find something new so we looked at it um and i had some of these dvds forever oh man they were so unattractive to look at yes <laughs> they were they were worse than standard definition um but it just came down to it. Uh, we kept a few like masterpieces. So my collector's DVD set of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah. That was that's a keeper. Box sets are a hard um, one to part with for sure. Yeah, uh, Farscape, that series uh, had those, um, and then just movies that meant something to us, and then some Blu-rays because we had just started getting blu-rays and then stopped because then we just well why get the blu-ray when we could just get it done digital exactly makes it easier yeah um but like you know i have the alien blu-ray box set oh never get rid of that man I so need to get that. miles yes i have a question for you what's up so you're trying to downsize your collection if you could only keep one dvd out of your whole collection what would be the one? Oh shit Nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> um, that's, that's worse than how do you think the universe began? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is way deeper. Uh, well, I know what I would answer for from our collection. Yeah, what would you answer? Okay. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good choice. <laughs> I've watched that movie like hundreds of times. Me too. And it never gets old. It's good to put on while I'm like doing other stuff and don't have to super pay attention to it. Have you ever read the and book? And I Yeah. That's I actually so okay, right next to me. So this was a birthday present from Jim a couple of years ago. I have the two Rolling Stone magazines wherein that story was originally published in November nineteen seventy one. Awesome. Yeah. It was a super good birthday present. That's fantastic. <laughs> He's yep. kind of I went like on a hunt. my heroes. <laughs> Apparently, good lord, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, you're not going to find well, too many bigger thing. fans than me. So that's that's super awesome. We uh, some of our DVD. So with like Fear and Loathing, we have the DVD, but we also bought it on digital because it's yeah. you know easier than putting in the yeah. DVD. And what we used to do <laughs> is we would we would buy something digitally, you know, like through iTunes, and then get rid of the DVD. Right. Because it was kind of a you know eh, nothing nostalgic about the DVD itself, or you know, iTunes, like, oh, yeah, they fixed it because that DVD production was crap. But, yeah, there's a few. Fear and Loathing, we have digitally. Lost in Translation, yeah, we have digitally, but we also have the DVD. Mm -hmm. um, because we have so few DVDs. We have, I think, less than 100 now. We do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll do that. We'll take something. Oh, oh, we got Alien, all the Alien films digitally as well. And that's more of a preservation thing for the DVDs and the Blu-rays. Yeah. Where, you know, you're not going to like like an old VHS tape. Quick little funny bit. There are movies that aren't my favorite movies, but there are movies that contain such powerful scenes to me that they're my favorite kinds of scenes. 
So uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Last of the Mohicans, towards the end of the movie, the uh, last six minutes and 17 seconds where they're playing the Irish real music and there's no dialogue really and they're just going through this. I loved the, the, the way that was shot, the way it was done. I watched that so many times on my VHS that if I watched the movie straight through, it'd be like, oh, you know, this is really nice. Then you get to that scene and you've got the rolling because <laughs> I wore out the tape so yeah. much in that <laughs> section. It was so inconsistent. Um, and yeah, we have a DVD version of that. I don't think it's the same one as the VHS, but I won't get the digital one because they changed the hell out of that. Did they? Um, yeah. I have the original trilogy Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that's that's on, worth something right there. <laughs> the original. On, not, check it out. It's a box set on VHS. It was the very first release of widescreen VHS. Oh, snap. The, all three of them are widescreen. And then it has a special, it has a, a fourth cassette in there with a collector's book and everything. We had to take my grandma's VHS player to be able to play it because we couldn't find one. That's how I introduced <laughs> our daughter to Star Wars. Yeah? Like, if we're going to introduce her to Star Wars, she's going to see it how I saw it in 1977. She's going to see the real deal. You know, Greedo didn't even get a chance to shoot because, you know, Han Solo was just that kind of guy, you know? Yeah. How about we go out back? Bam! How about you suck it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, that was her intro to Star Wars was through that. That's and the right it way to do warbly, it. Because that, v- that VCR was not in great shape. <laughs> no, it was not. So, yeah. Miles, have you got an answer? Honestly, I do. On your, on your one disc? I, I got like three of them that I'm maybe five of them. I have like a top five that I would do, (laughs) but this movie that we're talking about right now, the more I think about it, this would be in the top five for sure. Like I haven't seen this stream anywhere. Nobody else knows about it. So if I get rid of this disc, I don't know if I'll be able to find it again. So I think this one's one of them, but the one I'm definitely sure is number one is a movie called brotherhood of the wolf. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Uh, sounds familiar. It's a French. Give me, give action, me a quick synopsis. French action monster movie that it uh, in like the 1700s there in France there was a thing called the Beast of Jeboudon that it would run around and kill women and children and it's like a real story that was happening and they never figured out what this beast was that was killing people and they brought in like military people famous hunters from around the world they brought all these people in to try and find this monster and they never found it in real life but this movie is like an action fiction version of what they think was going on is it a french language film it is but it's all american actors which is what's funny about it if so is it huh is it is it are they speaking french they are speaking French and they okay. overdub it themselves. So you can watch the French version, which uh, I find superior, or you can listen to them do it in English, dubbing over them, it, doing it in French. It sounds very, very familiar. And there's a lot of foreign language films that often sound familiar to me. I very often do not watch them because A, they're not dubbed or it takes a while for it to get dubbed and I've lost track of it or it's done really poorly. But the the thing is, I have a problem with subtitles because I'm dyslexic. Uh, okay. 
And a lot of times, you know, because they go with the pace of the conversation. And if it's a fast moving kind of thing, yeah, I've, know. I've, you know, I'll sit and realize it's been 15 minutes. And I have no idea what the hell anybody's just said. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm so busy reading the bottom. I'm like, what's he talking about? What was so cool? What? So I kind of, I miss out on this. That sounds really familiar though. Uh, Monica I'm, sure Belusi, I'm sure it's been on my radar. I think Monica Belusi is like the, the love interest. Okay. Um, but I suggest you guys check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's my all time favorite movie. If you, it's, it's super duper worth a watch. Like it's one of those monster right. movies that's like perfect because they don't show you the monster right away. They slowly reveal through a series of scenes over time, like what the monster looks like. You just see bits and pieces of it. And it's just like okay. so well paced and there's a lot of Kung Fu for some reason. Native Americans are in it and they know Kung Fu. I don't know why, but they do. And it's fantastic. But yeah, the, the they overdub it in the original. You have to like turn off the overdubbing. So uh, if you have a problem with subtitles, then it is available in the way that you'd like to consume it. So that would be my number one for cool. sure. Yeah. Awesome. Look. Yeah. So you definitely check that out. Um, so the way that this podcast and so we decided that we're going to keep this which is fantastic because i definitely agree that this is a keeper Alrighty, so i want to say thank you to the jazz june for the use of our theme song viva la speed metal off of the album the medicine it's some fun rock and roll music that's gotten me through some hard times i suggest you check out the entire album but the song is viva la speed metal off of the album the medicine i also want to say thank you to the fat rat for the use of our song unity it's uh, some fun, bouncy EDM music that we use to end every episode and brings us in and out of the ad spots. Check that out on YouTube. That's the Fat Rat Unity. I also, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at disdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little pee-pee in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the dump. On Instagram, it's Disdump Podcast. Again, the PP. You can see a lot of exclusive pictures on Instagram that you don't see anywhere else. On Facebook, there's the Disdump Podcast page, but I would really appreciate it if you joined the Disdump Podcast fans group. It's a great place to get a hold of guests on the show, or you can start some polls, you can talk about whatever you want, post pictures. It's a really good time. And last but not least, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Alrighty, bravo for the B-side. What do you guys recommend for everybody? We're pointing at each other to go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to recommend a book since we're uh, in, in flavor of this film. If anyone has not read Stranger in a Strange Land, uh, I highly suggest it. It is, uh, it is a, it's kind of like Dune in that it's one of those stories that they've been trying to make a movie of for years. Ooh. And it's just, they've never been able to come close to capturing it. It's a very cerebral, very cool book. I've got the copy I originally bought in 1976 or seven, I think. And uh, it looks rough as hell, but it still reads good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert A. Heinlein, that is like the epitome of 60s cerebral sci-fi. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. Yeah. I was going to recommend a book also, but um, I'm actually going to recommend if you uh, if you're a writer and you like writing to music, some really good uh, like music that can suit all different kinds of moods uh, is this band called Wadruna. Oh, yeah. Can you and spell that? what they do is 
W-A-R-D-R-U-N-A. Wardruna. Wardruna. They're a Norwegian folk band. Yes. And they play with all of these like old instruments that really aren't around or played very much anymore. And they record in wide open spaces. And their music is very like ethereal and old and earthy. If anyone has watched the show Vikings, the music on that show is mostly from Wardruna. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's very folks. It's we when we that's how we find music is watching movies. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh that's so good. Or TV shows. We're like, what is that? What is that? So when we got tuned on to Wardruna, that became uh I mean half of the albums ended up on our we have playlists we play when we write. On our writing list and our yeah. like D and D mood music. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, yep, give them a look because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just it, it's just really good. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Don't know what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I have care. no idea what they're saying, <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Fantastic. I'm definitely going to check those out. Um, do you guys have any plugs that you want to put in? Check out our website, www.lordsofmisruleproductions.com. Uh, on our podcast page is all of our episodes. Uh, links to all the subscription platforms that we're on to listen mm-hmm. to it through your podcast app. Um, uh, we have uh, our blog and some information on stuff that we're working on as, as it continues. I'm working on making more entries. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can kind of find out about us and the podcast, uh, Bravo for the B side, uh, all of the social links and everything. So, uh, you know, you want to find out more about us? Bam, that's where you can do it. That's right. In all kinds of formats. Awesome. And I cannot recommend their podcast enough. It is extremely insightful and it's great for anybody who wants to become a filmmaker or is interested in writing, which are two things that I'm interested in. Maybe that's why I like it so much, but it is super, super good. You guys do spoil every movie beat for beat, but it's okay because yep, sure it's, <laughs> it's it's really good though. Like I'm enjoy I listened to the one you guys were talking about, Guns Akimbo. I was laughing so much. I enjoyed that one so much. So you guys should definitely uh definitely check these guys out. Thank you so much for doing this thank with you me, so guys. Much. Oh, thank you for asking us. Uh yeah, we're, thank we're you. glad to be doing this. This has been fun. Yes, I had a great time. We will do it again real soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Alrighty, audience. Uh, Take it easy. I'll catch you next week.